My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Artificial intelligence is remaking marketing as we speak. And if you're a marketer, you can either get up to speed or get left behind. The choice is yours and, really, it's a no-brainer. Join Jeff Livingston and Greg Verdino as they explore the latest AI news, trends, tools, and ideas that are creating the future of marketing today. This is No Brainer, an AI podcast for marketers. Oh, and just in case you're wondering, yes, I am an AI. Take it away, Jeff and Greg. Hey, this is Greg Verdino, and you are watching or listening to No Brainer, an AI podcast for marketers. And I am here, as usual, with Jeff Livingston. What's happening, my man? How are you, my friend? I am doing well. We have an interesting, I think, and evergreen episode, because I think the topic we're going to touch on today certainly affects marketers right now and consumers probably even more so than marketers at the moment. But I think it's going to be something that will play out again and again and again and become more and more of a focus as AI advances and as the year goes on. What I'm talking about, just to ease the suspense here, is deep fakes. And obviously, we can speak about misinformation, disinformation, the entire, I guess, epidemic almost of deep fakes that seems to be rolling across the internet right now. But we're going to keep it focused, I think, for the most part, because there are actually some very real things playing out today that have deep pun intended, implications for marketers. I'm getting a thumbs down for using that particular pun, but I don't care, Jeff. It's a Friday. Uh, we are recording this on a Friday. We don't normally record on a Friday, but because of some travel schedules next week, we wanted to get this one early. It is Friday the 26th of January, but if you're listening to this, it's probably almost February. All right, so let's kick off with the idea of deep fakes, almost brand fakes, that is emerging right. now in the world of celebrity endorsement. So obviously, and politics, right? We don't want to politics. talk politics today, but Absolutely, we yeah. saw some of that this week yep, as well. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see. We did see some of that. I'm sure we'll hit some of that. But if you're not of the political sort, even then, we're starting to see that celebrity endorsements, which are a tried and true advertising and marketing tactic, right? Everyone's got their ad with Shaq or whatever in it. And it is, I think, 80% Shaq, right? Uh, but he's, nonetheless, he's making his money, man. Right? Absolutely. Good for him. Uh, but pretty much, you know, every brand knows the power of a celebrity endorsement. Celebrity can be defined fairly broadly, right? It might be a traditional celebrity. It could be a new age sort of in internet influencer. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a tried 
tried and true tactic, but what happens when deep fakes come to the world of celebrity endorsements? And this is something that we have seen in the real world over the course of the past week or two. And let's start there, Jeff. Why don't we dive into some of the stories that we're watching on that front? Yeah, I think the most notable one is Taylor Swift. Anything Taylor goes crazy, as we know. And uh, just a word to all those man children out there that are hacking on her for pulling down the Kansas City Chiefs grew up. Not true. I mean, like, come on, man. This is awesome that you have the world's biggest pop star like in football. I mean, the NFL's got to be loving it. And it's fantastic for everybody. It's fantastic for the sport. But with Taylor, what happened was somebody put up an ad with her toting a La Crusette ad. And even though it was reported and Meta said that they had taken down the deep fake, a survey of the library, I believe that was done by the New York Times, if I'm correct, found 160 celebrity deep fake ads on Meta. And as you had pointed out in the show notes when we were getting ready for this thing, yeah, this is a company that's going to be deploying AGI or some sort of AI in some manner to the world now and suing over the next decade to billions of people. So does it give you a lot of comfort? YouTube also removed thousands of fake Medicare ads featuring, you got it, Taylor Swift. I'm not a Swifty. I just want that on record. I don't think I could recognize 10 of her songs. But Steve Harvey, Joe Rogan also had ads. And then we also saw a Joe Biden deep fake that went viral during the New Hampshire primary. So we're seeing all sorts of deep fake attacks from celebs and frankly regular people which don't really necessarily pertain to brands but we are seeing a lot of them tax brands and that has some major implications i think also one that was brought up was uh last year's tom hanks had to make a statement that he wasn't uh representing a dental plan this is a problem not just for the celebrities but also for people that trust them Exactly. It's hard to say in a lot of ways whether the brands are being targeted, whether the celebs are being targeted, whether it's just an attempt to pull one over on the consumer, spread misinformation, cause confusion. Uh, certainly everybody in the process gets hurt, right? It sort of muddies the water because all of a sudden, as a consumer seeing one of these messages, you have to scratch your head and ask yourself, is this a legitimate brand engagement? Is this actually the celebrity who it's purported to be? And can I believe this? And I feel like we're going to start to see as these things become more and more prevalent, as they get more and more press, as more and more deep fakes are proliferated across the Internet and social sites and wherever else, you're going to have people actually asking the question about legitimate brand campaigns, right? Where you're looking at something that perhaps, you know, I don't know, brand X paid handsomely for an endorsement from a given celebrity. And people are looking at it saying, how do I know that this isn't fake? I've been burned before. And I think that there's the potential for a lot of damage and backlash, not even just in that sense, but just imagine your Le Crusette, right? You have to do damage control now and have to think about what do I do about this? I remember there was another one of these brand fakes uh, back a while ago that I think was specifically targeted 
targeted at Mr. Beast because it wasn't even presented as an Apple promotion, but the idea was that Mr. Beast was giving away an iPhone. And he ended up, if I'm not mistaken, actually giving away the iPhone to save face, protect his own personal brand. But not every brand is going to do that depending on what the promotion is. And it's, you know, it's potentially very problematic, I think. What do you think? I think it's massive, right? Like, also, you see now these parody Instagram accounts going up where people are using these hey gen technologies or basically superimposing celebrity faces on top of theirs. Right. Um, like uh, Sylvester Stallone. I think there's a hilarious Keanu account that's out there. And uh, I've never seen Keanu look so skinny. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just the reality is. is this is depreciating for the brand. And in some cases, people can get away with it from a copyright perspective because they're making parodies, right? Right. But there's a difference between a parody and what essentially amounts to a malicious attack, right? I, I would like to think so. However, I am, unfortunately, Greg, I, I have lost uh, faith in the American consumer's ability to delineate truth from fiction. Well, not to delineate the two. I agree with you 100% there. I think that there is a moment of reckoning coming around media literacy and digital literacy. Huge. Underinvested in those skill sets and it's going to come back and bite us I believe. Really quick too because this particular trend is going to shove it down everybody's throat. Right. And so I think we're in a real problem moment. Right. And I do think yeah. that People that are making their money off their name, particularly in the entertainment industry, from musicians all the way through, like Snoop Dogg, all the way through to the Actors Guild. And this is what the Screen Actors Guild beef was all about with the motion picture studios. They do have reason to be afraid. I think they are going to lose value. I don't think anybody's going to trust anybody. Right. And unfortunately, if you're a marketer, that comes back around to brands. And, you know, trust in corporations is near an historical low. I'm not sure what the latest numbers are, but certainly we see a lot of data from, you know, Gallup polls and Pew Internet and stuff like that that indicates that corporate trust is a challenge. And, you know, this kind of thing ends up doing nothing but exacerbating that. So if every time you run an advertisement, your consumer is asking, can I trust the claims? Can I trust the, the that this is really the spokesperson? Can I even trust this is legitimately an advertisement for the brand it claims to be for? I mean, this is going to go further, right? Like, we're going to see deep fake gecko ads. You know? Right, absolutely, absolutely, no doubt about it. Um, you know, so, and that kind of, you know, I guess, in a way, I guess, leads us into the second flavor of this kind of thing. Um, so, I don't know if you uh, you tracked this when it was happening, but, you know, for people who are not country music fans, there's an artist named Jason Aldean. This um, is now, horrible. We're doing Swift and now this. I mean, oh. <laughs> it's all country. Um, I guess she's not country anymore, but that's where she started, so I still think She's of her country. as a country girl. I mean, um, all these Swifties are country. What's but anyway, <laughs> um, so Jason Aldean is a country artist, um, and to be clear, he's known for having right-of-center political views. His audience tends to be more conservative, so it was no 
surprise, I suppose, when he released a song, quote-unquote, released a song called Go Woke, Go Broke, in which he took direct aim at Disney and Target and Bud Light and all of the brands who had been under fire or in the spotlight, at least, over the course of 2023 for uh, espousing more liberal policies. Now, the trick is, the song wasn't his, the voice was AI-generated, it was convincing, and it spread like wildfire on TikTok. So even here, a conservative country artist had to make a statement and be clear about the fact and do damage control around the uh, reality that he was not directly taking on all of these brands. Now, this is certainly deep fakes, right? All Dean was deep faked, but really the objective seems to be to put this negative narrative about Bud Light and Disney and Target onto like hyperdrive through this sort of TikTok distribution, let's say, right? So this is a little bit different though, right? This is not somebody pretending to represent those brands. It's somebody essentially detracting, right? Attacking those brands. So it's the opposite of an endorsement. It's a disparagement, basically. Um, this is essentially what's known as a narrative attack. And narrative attacks long predate artificial intelligence. But the problem is artificial intelligence makes it easier to create a narrative attack that's convincing, that's compelling, and that spreads like wildfire. You know, so essentially what a narrative attack is, and every brand needs to understand this, every, a narrative attack is basically when, you know, it's a malicious attempt to change or the narrative or spread a false narrative about a brand or a person or whatever. So, um, you know, we've seen these kinds of things for years. Jeff, you and I as two old men who have been through this kind of thing before, and I'm sure some of our listeners at least remember the the golden day of the social media crisis. And of course, social media crises still happen. But if you remember Dell Hell, right, where Jeff Jarvis went, you know, on a rampage, um, and, um, you know, and kind of took on Dell, who was um, not addressing his uh, his customer service issue, um, or United Breaks Guitars, where United broke a guitar, right? One negative social media post sort of spring, you know, spring rolled. Uh, yeah. Spring rolled is not what I mean, um, sort of, um, but it took off. And, um, yeah. Know, Right. You know, but now it's so easy to do it because imagine you don't need celebrity firepower in this case. It could be well, somebody using a generative AI like ChatGPT to well, churn what's out. Worse is that we have audiences that are primed to accept it. Right. right. I mean, That's basically true. now we're in this highly politicized tribal world and the, and I know tribes is another social media concept but where everybody's cut so polarized and delineated and ready to hate the other group ready to put them down ready to spread disinformation and trust that disinformation is factual that it's really easy to smear a brand and when you look at the the uh the aldine situation there i mean one thing that really struck me was that Basically, they were hitting on missteps that the brands had had. For example, the, the Bud Light ad with the transgender uh, woman, I believe it was, uh, or was yeah. it transgender man? I, I forget. But, it, you know, obviously they took a risk. They walked back from it once they received some uh, blowback. 
we could go into the strengths and weaknesses of that whole thing. I definitely think they made a mistake once they were out there. They should have just stayed out there and said, like, look, but it lights for everybody. But, you know, I mean, whatever their situation was, they put themselves in a position of weakness with that particular tribe. Right. And that tribal attack against them is basically somebody that still hates them for that. And, uh, and they're trying to expand that. And, and right. we do know in this world that a lot of people that are architecting these attack types of campaigns understand the value of attention and virality absolutely absolutely that's the real issue is that when it hits you've probably got 24 hours to clean it up and and as a result of it otherwise it's going to propagate and propagate and propagate because we're now in this world of aggregation right everything gets aggregated 50 times yeah and you know if you think about the sort of relatively speaking the slow roll of the old social media crisis you know you yeah. had to you know well, somebody somebody got angry about something they wrote a blog post made a video whatever it may or may not have caught fire at that point well, and you yeah. might have gotten a hundred blog posts maybe it hit the mainstream news in a market or two and it was relatively slow compared to the kind of thing you might see today where you know a million chat gpt generated articles just distributed all at once and now you've got to figure out how to clean that up and that's the real implication for brands right you need to be ready it it. becomes part of this narrative right i mean that's the other thing it's kind of like this crazy uh uh, what's that group uh the 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 one that's kind of out there the right wing one that's um uh, the pizza shop one. Do you remember? Oh that? yeah, yeah. I don't know the name of the organization, but it's- right. So QAnon. It's like QAnon crazy, where people are just. And I'm sorry if you listen to QAnon, but please don't research more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like where the where once it becomes part of that narrative, it's just accepted, and so yeah. there's no coming back. Yeah, that's why the crisis communications plan has to be built, has to be off the shelf, and you know get the lawyer out of the situation pretty quickly once you're like once you have the statements pre-approved by legal and get them pre-approved before the crisis happens you got to be ready to roll throw this out there and say like look this isn't true we value everybody's business we value this community's business we value everybody's business we would never say something like this and you know People should take uh, the time to look at our corporate ethics whenever they're available. We'll put them on our front site so that folks are aware of what's happening. I mean, the ability to respond quickly is everything. And this is part of governance. It's part of policy. It's not just AI. I mean, it's just the way everything moves so quickly. Now, if you don't have a crisis plan and you're a significant company with major business with not just consumers, but B2B, I mean, I, I just feel sorry for you. You're really asking for it. Yeah, and, you know, I think what's interesting here, and it's worth noting, is that we've all seen it before, right? If you've been in marketing or communications, whether it's internal communications or, you know, public relations or investor and analyst relations, right? Um, We've seen this play out before. And what's interesting to me is I think with each new wave of marketing innovation, a lot of the lessons learned tend to get left behind. And if there's a, you know, if there is a, a, an Uber lesson in this particular 
um, trend or pattern or theme or whatever you want to think of it as. It's all of the best practices that you've built for traditional crisis communications, for social media crisis communications, need to be at play here. You can't assume that just because we've now moved into this brave new world of artificial intelligence that none of those old rules no longer apply. Well, on top of it, too, like, uh, haven't gone through enough of these. Like, when I was with Zoetica, we had SeaWorld as a client, and that whole uh, Blackfish situation happened. Cami Hoiza was running that account. Poor Cami. I mean, uh, Cami is a uh, a pleasant, handsome person. Uh, But, man, the week afterwards, when she showed up on video camera, (laughs) she looked like Bill the Cat, man. That was, like, the worst social media crisis I've ever seen. We even had Bob Barker going off on us. I had Michael Arrington go off on us. These things are not fun. They're they're really horrific moments of terror and anxiety for brand communicators. You don't want to be on the wrong side of this. You want to be prepared and ready to go. Scrambling to figure it out, it's just too late already. Absolutely. And what makes it worse is when it's something that is believably true, but patently false, which is almost the sort of the beating heart of generative AI in a lot of ways, right? That's the one thing that everybody has known for a year now about a tool like ChatGPT is that it is utterly convincing in its authority, even when every single word it spews may be false. Oh, 100%. And that's where this gets dangerous, because if a brand does something wrong, then in some ways the brand kind of deserves what it has coming at it. It still need the brand still needs to be smart about how they address that crisis, et cetera, et cetera. But if you make a mistake, you've made a mistake. This can happen now in a way where the brand hasn't made a mistake. The narrative has no basis, in fact, and it still becomes the dominant narrative about the brand because it's so prevalent and people today are so prone to believe these kinds of things. 100%. I guess brings us in a way to fake news. Fake news. news. Woo! back again what's old is new right 2017 okay i thought we forgot about that year look uh newsguard identified more than 600 ai generated sites designed to appear like legitimate news or information sources now look there's a lot of stuff that people write that's fake news but now we really have bots creating fake news and that's a huge huge problem right you know, like, what is their aim? What's their goal? Why were they set up? Or is it just, let's see what the Gen AI can do? We're not really telling people what's going on. It's transparent. You know, you can unleash these things on uh, stock reports, quarterly reports, and have a financial news feed. And maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Maybe you disclose that. Uh, because certainly without that, you wouldn't get the information you're looking for. Whatever it is. This creates a digital literacy problem. This creates a brand problem, particularly when you have uh, something that can't be held accountable, really, because it is just a random site. Yeah. And in the case of, you know, in the case of what NewsGuard in particular is looking at, because I'm sure there are many, I would say, good hearted initiatives to use AI to generate legitimate information that would be incorporated into a website, whether it goes well or not is another story. Speaking of an aside tangent, did you see that Sports Illustrated basically laid off 
80, 90% of its staff, and they were trying to use AI to generate stories. Absolutely, right. That's huge been, controversy. Right. Very related, right? Controversy. Now, I mean, I think, for better or for worse, I feel like most of these, I will say, major media companies, significant websites, brands like Sports Illustrated or MSN or BuzzFeed or whomever, who have attempted to replace human writers and editors with AI, have almost universally misstepped. And that's something that's going to play out in the media space, and we'll see what the implications are. But in terms of what NewsGuard is looking at specifically with these 600 sites, they are designed to deceive. Now, that doesn't mean that they're designed to even necessarily sway your opinion as a reader with mis- or disinformation, there is no filter whatsoever. Basically, it appears that the AI is generating whatever the AI is generating. On any topic, there have even been some examples where an article will literally just reproduce a prompt or reproduce something where the AI is saying, I'm a large language model and I'm incapable of blah, blah, blah. It's the like quality, literally chat GPT unleashed, right? Right. The quality is totally immaterial. Garbage. But because they appear to be legitimate websites and they rank in Google, they do attract eyeballs. Now, what's the value in attracting eyeballs? Attracting ad dollars. Because all of these sites are then being registered to, to participate in programmatic ad networks like Google Display. And because they meet whatever targeting criteria have been set, they end up on your ad buy. And that's right. the real problem for marketers. Because now a whole chunk of your ad buy is being siphoned away from legitimate media sites to these sites where they deliver no value for you as a marketer whatsoever. And that's a real problem. And I know a lot of agencies and the brands themselves who are using these kinds of programmatic networks, of course, are creating block lists. But the challenge here is that you might block a site or two or three or ten, but these websites proliferate so quickly right. and are becoming so prevalent that it becomes very difficult for the buyer to stay on top of them. It's almost something that needs to be solved at the seller level, but I don't believe we're there yet. Right. And it's becoming really problematic. And brands need to at least be aware of this. If you're spending ad dollars and you're using a programmatic ad network of any kind, odds are some of your money is going to these kinds of AI-generated sites. And that right. creates a budget issue and a brand safety issue. Right, right, right. I mean, and the brand safety issue is one that we've seen uh, play out most publicly with Twitter uh, or sure. whatever it's called recently with IBM. Yeah. Um, I. Part of me wonders how much of this is going to get worse with the lack of cookies, too, um, where people are going to get into more spray and pray situations with their ad buys and just let things go. And I, I really see this is going to have some larger challenges with that dynamic coming into play. It's kind of like the confluence of two storms. Right. And as a result of that, I do see these uh, kind of cheaper, uh, you know, Tabula types of networks having lots of uh, challenges for advertisers. So I, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they are able to navigate this and continue to deliver value for their brands. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think you've made an astute point there, believe it or not. Um, Shocking. Which is, On the no of the brainer yeah, part. Which is also <laughs> right, which is also kind of the way these things it's almost like right place, right time. You know, I got you Kevin the fireworks, of, dude. You got you. For, for those of you who are listening on audio, Jeff's managed to I don't know if it's on purpose or inadvertently set the AI in his camera system to uh, set off fireworks behind him every time he gives a thumbs up. So that's not annoying at all. Uh, it looks like it's not working anymore. There it goes. His entire head was engulfed in flame for a brief I'm like moment. that horrible four-year-old kid that finds a horrifically annoying toy. Right. <laughs> the, the, the fire hat with a real siren. Uh, right. But what I was saying is a lot of these things are happening at the intersection of two almost like tsunami waves and they're crashing together right, right. um the, the cookie thing is the, massive the, right the, it's massive right, we the, probably need to do an episode yeah, on that alone exactly you know we've got to look into that and you know kind of try to make some sense of it um you know but you know media is in a state of upheaval in general and that includes media buying traditional advertising a lot of changes including obviously the deprecation decommissioning or whatever of cookies the rapidly shifting dynamics of the media marketplace, all that kind of stuff. And for AI to be essentially enabling the propagation of fake media sites in a way that's never been seen before just adds fuel to that fire. And the same is true of these earlier trends around narrative attacks and the fake celebrities and stuff like that. Again, these are happening at a time where anything that might be a brand challenge, whether it's reputational or or whatnot is now kind of on hyperdrive because of the potential for bad actors to use artificial intelligence in ways that it you know maybe lighter fluid right right it's lighter fluid exactly um let's take a break before we get too far absolutely and when we come back we're actually going to I think begin our second half on a positive note because what? a lot of these oh, because on. a lot of these technologies, of course, do present legitimate opportunities for brands. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into that a little bit when Everybody we come get back. happy. <laughs> my dad works in B two B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, "The more MQLs, the better." Over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at UntilYouOwnIt.com. 
We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. All right, everybody. We are back. Forward-thinking brands are already experimenting and using deepfakes. What do we mean by that? Let's call them synthetic celebrities. Basically, people that are digital humans or perhaps somebody that's a model or somebody inside the organization that's licensed their likeness to the organization to be used. Uh, and uh, some of it's working out well and some of it isn't. There's some ethical implications. Let's get into it. Greg, you want to talk about it? Absolutely. So a while back, probably middle of last year, we did publish a blog post about some of the ways brands were using synthetic celebrities and some of the campaigns were actually quite effective. So uh, and these might be campaigns that anybody who follows the space knows. If you're a marketer, you read the trades. These might be like, oh yeah, I know about that, but not everybody will. So Virgin Atlantic, for example, they have a celebrity partnership with Jennifer Lopez and they produced a it was a TV campaign, a video campaign, I believe it ran both online and on the air, which featured I that ad, by the way. Which, which featured Gen AI, get it? Jennifer Lopez as an artificial intelligence and it was a very virgin ad, right? It's virgin cruises, it had that virgin ethos, right? It was very tongue-in-cheek a little bit edgy, uh, but basically the premise was that you could control Gen AI yourself to have her produce a personalized short video about the cruise you'd love to take. Let's say if I wanted to take Jeff on a cruise, I could produce a short video that had Jen Lopez inviting Jeff to go with me, talking about the kinds of fun things we could do, and I could send that out to him and he could watch it and go, yeah, cool, I want to come with you on a cruise. Uh, so the campaign used essentially... What was that? Can we leave Ben Affleck at home? <laughs> we can, we can. Um, but, um, you know, that was designed, obviously, you use generative AI to do some revoicing and some reconfiguration of the video for mouthing different phrases and so on and so forth in a way that was brand safe, very controlled. And according to the brand, the campaign generated over a thousand bookings. Now, whether that's better or worse than a campaign without generative AI, it's hard to say, obviously, right? Right. It could have been on the strength of the creative idea. It could have been on the strength of Jennifer Lopez herself. It could have just been cruise season. Uh, but certainly, they considered this to be an effective campaign, and it's certainly a legitimate way for a brand to use the same technologies that are being used by deep fake malicious actors to turn celebrities into something more interactive and engaging for their audiences. Uh, another similar campaign out of India, actually, uh, that, that we wrote about was from Cadbury. It was called Not Just a Cadbury Ad. And what Cadbury wanted to do was obviously sell chocolate, but at the same time, they knew a lot of their mom and pop retailers across India were struggling with the economy, with sales. They were still facing post-COVID doldrums, and they wanted to be sure that they weren't just selling chocolate, but also supporting their local community of retailers. So the idea was that you could have a top-tier Bollywood celebrity, who was a spokesperson for the brand, produce a highly customized television style ad they were meant to run the internet but it looked like a tv spot with top tier talent high-end production where he was essentially promoting not just cadbury chocolate but the your store by name 
for the kinds of thing your things your store also sold. Like, hey, right. if you're looking for shoes, you want to go to this store. By the way, while you're there, they also have Cadbury at the counter. That kind of thing. Right. Um, right. So store owners and their customers created a hundred thirty thousand different ads, um, according to the agency. And this was up for a Clio. I'm not sure if it won or not. But according to the agency, the campaign drove a thirty five percent increase in business and um, attributed something like 70000 or more in earned media PR style value, right? right? So again, the same idea, relatively simple Im- implementation of celebrity talent with revoicing and some video AI to make it look convincing to really pull something off that was unique and differentiated and engaging for the consumer. Sure. So, I mean, I think it's interesting, like both are very positive and have done well for the brand and show what creative could do and I think it's kind of more it to me it points to the value of these tools as a creative set of executions right but it's Absolutely. really clearly well written well thought out humans are behind it um, and this is just another pathway to do this yeah intelligently uh, and we've absolutely. seen this with other brands on on a static side with like Heinz and Coca-Cola and sure. the obvious two that everybody brings up but also uh, we do have a blaze coming out where we're looking at generative AI gener- uh, to to replicate humans uh, and it is one of the topics in there and there are brands that do it intelligently and I think the ones that are doing it well are focusing on what makes them special Right, like, why would people want to go on a Virgin tour? Yeah, I want to go to islands, and yeah, you know, would it be cool if there's a celeb there? Maybe it's J Lo. If it's good enough for J Lo, I could do this. This is amazing. It makes me feel like I'm a rock star. That's awesome, you know. And of course, you know anybody uh, who's got a string in their heart that understands the the difficulties of being an entrepreneur definitely wants to support small businesses. It's a really smart DNA boiled into these ads where it goes off the rails which i think we're about to talk about um and maybe i could talk about the levi one absolutely uh levi's did this with their models where they basically used women and men of color as diversity models but then they told everybody we've launched an ai campaign where we're using women and men of color i think it was women in particular uh as uh ai replications and it caused a huge stake and whiplash for Levi's and and let me be clear it wasn't that they used AI technology it's because they were idiots from a PR standpoint please forgive me I love Levi's I wear them but that was just a, a a terrible mistake like why would you say that like why would you basically one own up to the fact that you don't photograph diverse models and you're a major brand and two you're not going to hire them <laughs> instead you're going to create fake ones right that's like that's what they really I, piss people off yeah and, and, and you're taking money out of diversity uh, uh based or, or or background clients you know yeah, I think that was, like, that's a yeah. huge issue I, like these I, people are underserved you know yeah, i feel like that was the biggest misstep was that they almost presented it as a diversity, equity, and inclusion 
initiative, right? right? Where it was like, hey, you know, if you're, uh, you know, first of all, it's greater diversity of our models. Second of all, it's more models and more fits and more styles that look more like you. Saved us $30,000. But that's the thing, right? It's And I feel like, you know, in some ways it almost fell prey to the earliest chatter in the marketing community about generative AI, which was really quite frankly, first and foremost about productivity. How can yeah. I write 50 blog posts in the times that it, in the time it used to take me to write five? Which Horrible. might be a part of the table stakes, right? Everyone is under pressure to do more with less. But you're but replacing when, people, right? Right, but when you explicitly design an initiative to do more with less, or in some cases, do more with none, and you, know, and you kind of end up on the wrong side of popular opinion with that it becomes problematic right and to be clear under armor does the exact same thing they just don't tell people that they're shooting diversity equity and inclusion models and to their benefit they have featured diverse models for the entirety of the brand's existence it's part of their dna so it's not like that they're they're literally like replacing people or pulling a BSDI initiative, what they're doing is like, hey, we've got 10 colors of our unstoppable joggers. We took a picture of Joe and now we've replicated it in five different colors. And then we have a a picture of uh, Billy who, you know, is now in five different colors because we're able to use AI to do it. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I think we start to see. You know, I think a divide between the brands and their agencies who think about what the technology can do, right? And run down that course without troubleshooting or wargaming or really thinking about thinking what, about what their message is. Maybe. And then the brands that actually think about what they should do because they're using the technologies in a way that play to their their brand, their positioning, their ethos, their value prop, their purpose, and all of that. No one is gonna no consumer is gonna buy gear of any sort or equipment or cars because you used AI to advertise it. Right. They're going to buy it because of the value. We learned this last 100%. episode on CES. It's the same lesson. 100%. Absolutely. It's just these same lessons over and over and over again. Um, another example of a brand who I think did, it's interesting, did a shockingly compelling execution of mm-hmm. a surprisingly iffy idea was Volkswagen in Brazil. They were celebrating the anniversary, I don't know, the 70th, I believe, anniversary of the VW bus. And Poor they, Volkswagen. They, they just produced, having a hard time the past decade. They they <laughs> produced a um they produced a spot, very well done spot. Um and if you watched it and you knew the people involved, um, the the celebrities involved, which these are Brazilian celebrities, not American celebrities. I wouldn't know either of them, but it was a mother and a daughter, both of whom are singing or were singing superstars in the country. The mom passed away in the 80s, I believe, and they brought her back to life, singing a duet with the daughter in like an old VW bus, the new VW bus, 70th mm-hmm. anniversary. Um, people found it to be like highly emotional, pulling on the heart strings, uh, all of that kind of good stuff. It was very well done. The AI was flawless in its execution. Super believable, really compelling. And it was done with permission. They didn't resurrect this woman out of nowhere. They worked with the family. They had their permission. However, 
a lot of people who saw the spot found it to be incredibly distasteful, <laughs> right? They loved this artist back in the 80s. They kind of like Star them. Wars The Return of the Jedi right. with Princess Leia. <laughs> right. 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 You know, they, you know, but you know, they found it distasteful and it actually earned the brand an investigation by the national advertising watchdog who, you know, looks to prevent brands from doing things that are misleading or in, inappropriate. Um, you know, so, you know, I've heard, you know, through different reporting and whatnot that it was an effective ad, got a lot of viewership, had a fair amount of positive sentiment attached to it, maybe sold some vehicles. But at the same time, it also caused you to scratch your head and say, is it okay for a brand, of all things, a brand, to bring back a celebrity or a personality of any kind, a spokesperson, a regular person, with the objective of selling a product or service, right? It's different right. if they're going to resurrect, El- resurrect Elvis, let's say, and do an Elvis tour. And or John Lennon. And it, right, and it benefits their estate, and it's all about the music, you know. But if you were to bring back John Lennon, and it was all about, you know, selling Pepsi Cola, right? That's a different story. And I yeah. think that was the issue that a lot of people had with this kind of thing. And I think both this and the Levi's example really point to each brand having their own barometer and knowing where do I draw the line between right. what's possible and what's. And to be clear, maybe Volkswagen could have worked through that a little bit better and got done the same creative with just maybe a disclaimer or two and, and if, totally right. taken care of that right in advance it would have right. been a non-issue yeah and i feel like it kind of you know it falls on a different line i agree with you a hundred percent you know and then i think about like the latest ghostbusters movie right where they bring back what's his name um oh yeah right you know using right you know they yeah they 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 you know recreate him with ai and they bring him back and you know he's in the movie and it's like this sort of you know for people that were really into There's nothing it, new out of hollywood it was, it but, it, but it was like this sort of moment of like oh my god like this moment of wonder yeah um whereas um <laughs> whereas damn it. you know For those of you that are watching, there's apparently a balloon AI associated with my thing where if I put up the peace sign, balloons fly. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, (laughs) Was that the peace sign or was that a two and two? That's a two minute warning because we have a hard stop today, folks. We're going to have to cut it and do the brainer and no brainer. How about I just uh, do the no brainer first? Absolutely. So with that in mind, if you're going to use AI and you're creative... Don't feature your AI as the lead in your creative. <laughs> Just use it. <laughs> you know, and think it through. You know, definitely if there's a disclaimer that needs to be put in place, just say it. You know, it was made with AI. Just be clear. I mean, I think people are expecting it now. It just shouldn't be the thing that you're selling. That's what I, yeah. it's, that's it. Ran over. Yep, absolutely. I mean, then that's almost a brainer because it is good enough to be both the no brainer and the brainer. But I would say if there is another brainer, be prepared. Do your troubleshooting, whether it's to get ahead of a narrative attack or AI media crisis or anything like that. 
be prepared for that kind of thing to happen. Don't assume you're in the clear just because you're a big brand. Assume you're actually in the crosshairs because you're a big brand. And of course, that applies as well to your own use of artificial intelligence. Make sure you think through all the angles. You think about, is this responsible or is it just possible? And ensure that anything you do is in line with the core ethos of your brand. And with that, we are going to say goodbye. We're going to roll on out. Do you want to close us for the show, Jeff? Yes. Thanks, everybody, for your time and attention. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and review. We really appreciate when people do share it. But most importantly, punch that subscribe button. We want you back. Let us know if there's something we could do to make your podcast better. You can find us on the nobrainerpodcast.com site. We do take suggestions. We welcome them. And we're eager to continue to serve you with some fun information. Ciao.
This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.